As it stands through the first 10 games of the season, the New Orleans Saints have at least two long-term players in this year's rookie class. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, you can become a Locked On Saints insider by simply texting HUDAT to 504-285-7473 to join a community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, Saints News Network, Tuesdays in the Locked On NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and enter promo code in all lowercase locked on NFL so that you can get a first deposit match up to $100. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're wrapping up the week with a little bit of a midseason review. We're going to take a look at what has been working and what the Saints can build on in their last seven games. We're going to take a look at the Saints uh, second, or, or, or really their draft class, and how A.T. Perry is setting up for a real opportunity here throughout his rookie season. And I want to get started with kind of power ranking the New Orleans Saints rookie class, starting off with two players that are absolutely looking like long-term options at their positions. Brian Brzee, the New Orleans Saints first-round pick out of Clemson at defensive tackle, and Jordan Howden, the safety selected in the fifth round of last of this year's draft out of Minnesota. These two players look like long-term players at their positions out of this rookie class and so far have proven to be the best options or the best players of their rookie class so far. Now, I'm going to asterisk that just a little bit because we also have not seen a lot from some players, Jake Hayner, Nick Saldaveri, uh, to an extent, Isaiah Foskey, right? So there is some sort of like caveating to go on in there, but in terms of the opportunities that these guys got, they got their opportunities and immediately made good on them. We've watched Brian Brzee be a game wrecker in the middle of the field in the run game. He's got some progress to make in terms of being more consistent as a pass rusher, but we saw early on in the season what it was that he could do there, him working on that spin move, him being able to win on the interior. Now that offensive lines know what it is that he can do, tape, all those other things that end up impacting. Things have kind of slowed down for him. He's in a little bit of a rut, but I don't think he's going to stay there for very long. I do think that Brian Brzee ends up being somebody that will continue to have an impact for this team on its interior defensive line for the rest of this season. And then next year or, or going into the offseason, when you've got Brzee, when you've got Colin Saunders, when you've got Nathan Shepard, when you've got Malcolm Roach, all these guys lined up to potentially return for next year. Malcolm Roach, we'll see what happens there. But the Saints have a really good sort of start there. I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue to invest at the position, continue to try to find some pass rushers there, maybe start to look at what are some of the things that they could do to help themselves out in the run game, which they've taken another dip in so far this year. 
at least early on. So, but but I do think that Brian Brzee ends up being somebody throughout the rest of his career and his time with the New Orleans Saints that ends up being an impactful player. He's a player right now that if he does what he has done over the course of the la- of, of his first 10 games, grows from that even just a little bit to where it's doing it more consistently, I wouldn't be surprised to see end up with a second contract here in New Orleans. Maybe not a top dollar contract. He'll have to grow to get there, but at his position, but I could see him very, very, very likely getting a second contract here in New Orleans. The second player that's absolutely up there is Jordan Howden. Jordan Howden has done it right at this point, right? I mean, he has been on the receiving end of good plays, on the receiving end of bad plays, has bounced back from those bad plays, all those things. He is somebody that has consistently been all over the field, can play multiple positions. Uh, and in a situation right now, it's where both Marcus May and Tyron Matthews contracts have the ability to get out this offseason. Having a guy like Jordan Howden to fall back on is massive. Remember, just a few weeks ago, uh, going up against Indianapolis, Marcus May didn't practice as much throughout the week because he was dealing with illness. He was questionable and then ready to go for the game. But the Saints went with Jordan Howden anyway, didn't feel the need to push Marcus May out on the field, even though May hadn't practiced throughout the week. That's not always the case at this position or even in this defense where you're able to have the freedom to make a decision like that. So big fan of what Jordan Howden has done so far in his career. He's a very smart player. He's a hyper-athletic player as well. Sees the game develop in front of him. The biggest thing, and this is what we talked about early on in the year for him, trusting his instincts. That's got to be the next step for him so that he is not that half step behind on the play in the end zone against Indianapolis or not that half step behind another crossing route across the middle of the field and things like that. Got to make sure that you know that that reaction time is happening. And Jordan Howden told me face to face after um, one of the Saints' losses earlier this season, his first uh, his first start in Green Bay, when he talked about how he felt like he was just a half step behind on a couple of plays, the Luke Musgrave catch, for instance, over on the right sideline in that game. That if he were to just be one half step ahead, then all of a sudden he would be making those plays as opposed to surrendering those plays. And so if he gets that, which is going to be about instinct which comes with experience and seeing the game roll out in front of you at full speed. Jordan Howden, another one that I would not be surprised to see move into a potential starting role as early as next year, depending on what the New Orleans Saints do with the contracts of Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. Let's take a look at what we're gonna, how we're going to rank the rest of the rookies here. And no, please know that at the bottom of this list, are not is not a rookie that is not doing well or that is bad or anything like that. It's a rookie that we haven't seen yet. And that's kind of what we have to look at when it comes to this rookie class so far. So Brian Rizzi, Jordan Howden, top list for me at one and two. A.T. Perry coming up at number three. Maybe that's a little bit of recency bias, but I'm okay with that. Um, Nick Saldaveri, right square in the middle, gotten some opportunities, hasn't gotten a lot, but has looked pretty solid in the opportunities that he's gotten, can also play multiple positions, which ends up benefiting him a bit. Kendra Miller, injuries, all these other things have been such a plague for him already this year that I'm not going to be surprised if we don't see very much of him moving forward throughout the rest of the season just to get him ready for the next year. Isaiah Foskey dealing with injuries as well. Didn't get a lot of opportunities. I considered putting Foskey up above Kendra Miller, but I think Kendra Miller's splash plays, whether you look back at the preseason or even during the regular season, put him up there in terms of you can see the potential that's there for him. And then at the bottom of the list is Jay Kaner, simply because we're never going to get an opportunity to see him, right? Like it, it would take Derek Carr and Jameis Winston this year getting injured 
and then the Saints not to turn to Taysom Hill first before we would see Jay Kaner. Maybe next year he's you know a little bit further up the depth chart. Maybe there's another rookie quarterback next year that ends up even sliding in above him. We don't know. So with Jay Kaner, it's just a simple like we're not sure. We don't know. So he's at the bottom of the list right now. But third on that list was wide receiver A.T. Perry, who had himself a game last week and a heck of a reintroduction to the NFL. He said three games active. What is it about him that's exciting the New Orleans Saints so much? We're going to break that down as we continue on with our rookie review here on Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and without a doubt most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. I absolutely love Prize Picks. It's you versus the house. None of these mystery lineups, spreadsheet wizards, any of that stuff. Uh, Prize Picks just basically gives you a projection for a player or an athlete involved in the NFL, NBA, golf, boxing, whatever it is that you're looking for. They've got it for you. They give you that projection. You choose whether or not they're going to come out at more or less than that projection for two to six players. You went up to 25 times your first or 25 times your entry up to if you get all of those right. So I want you to go and check them out today. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That is a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or promo code locked on NFL prizepicks. Daily Fantasy Made Easy. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. New Orleans Saints rookie wide receiver A.T. Perry has the skill and the talent, and now he's getting the opportunity to prove that he can be one of those long-term options in this rookie class as well. Appreciate all y'all for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Rookie wide receiver A.T. Perry was targeted four times for his first two career catches and his first career touchdown, 38 yards on those two catches, by the way, uh, in the second half of the Minnesota Vikings game last week. He and uh, Jameis Winston have a lot of chemistry together. They spend a lot of time together. That's, you know, they both work with the second team in practice, so they get the third to one another a lot. They even spend their off days on Tuesdays, according to A.T. Perry and Jameis Winston working together, getting some throws in along with some other young players and some of the tight ends as well. So some of the other you know, young pass catchers that are out there. And so you can see the chemistry between the two in that game, right? Michael Thomas was out. A.T. Perry came in. He was kind of the, the big body after that. And he and Jameis just immediately went to working together, right? Getting it together. And, and they had the big completion over the middle. Uh, at one point, they went again to one another o- over the middle, weren't able to come up with that catch, had the big touchdown in the back end zone, which was just a great you know, I'm going to put the ball where only a six foot four leaping, you know, good leaping ability A.T. Perry can get to it. And A.T. Perry goes up and gets it. And the one big critical thing that we were looking at over the course of the preseason and, and, and like training camp, the offseason uh, in A.T. Perry's game was can he make contested catches? Well, that was a pretty good example of the fact that he can make them, maybe not consistently, right? You still want to see the consistency there. You can't prove that with just one catch, uh, but it's a start. It's a start. And with Michael Thomas right now dealing with that knee injury in the second play of the game, he took a shot to the knee with a helmet. Um, And if that's the case and Michael Thomas is going to miss a little bit of time here, that just means there's going to be more and more opportunity for A.T. Perry to get out there and make some plays. And even if Michael Thomas doesn't miss time, A.T. Perry has been active for the last three weeks while wide receivers like Keith Kirkwood have been inactive. And some folks have seen Keith Kirkwood added back to the roster, which I think is a very smart move for the New Orleans Saints, especially if they're going to be without Michael Thomas for any amount of time, one game, two games, or more. 
uh, to have that additional wide receiver that knows the system, that can run those routes, that's an X receiver by trait. That makes a lot of sense. But I think A.T. Perry is going to maintain his opportunities here because if you think about it, even when Keith Kirkwood was on the roster two games before he was uh, he was moved on from for just really they 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 had waived him and then they moved Adam Prentice off of IR. Then they brought Kirk, Keith Kirkwood back to the roster, cut um, or, or waived uh, Adam Prentice and then put Adam Prentice in the practice cut. So it was really just like shuffling stuff around to get Adam Prentice up off of injured reserve. Uh, and now they'll probably elevate Adam Prentice in the games and things like that off the practice squad. But the 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 thing that's so great here is that, or, or the thing that you can look at that gives you the evidence that A.T. Perry is not going to lose opportunities with Keith Kirkwood back on the field is that when Keith Kirkwood was here, the two games that he was here before he was waived, he was inactive and A.T. Perry was active. So I think A.T. Perry is going to continue to get more opportunities. He's been somebody that they put out there in blocking situations as well. So he's been able to contribute as a blocker. He was outstanding as a blocker. As a in, in his collegiate days at Wake Forest in the NFL, the speed, the strength, all that stuff is different. So he's having to kind of relearn a little bit of that. Um, but he's been okay there. But now that you're seeing him also get involved in the passing game more than maybe some of these other guys have so far. I mean, even Lynn, Bo- Lynn, Bo- uh, Lynn Bowden went in there and got a catch this past week. And so like now you're seeing sort of like these other receivers get mixed in. And that was with Jameis in. But hopefully that continues when Derek Carr, uh, assuming that Derek Carr is back this upcoming game against the Atlanta Falcons, because we know that he will be the starting quarterback if he's healthy. Um, hopefully they continue. He'll continue to go to some of these these younger guys uh, as well. And so I, I really look forward to seeing what else A.T. Perry has. Uh, we asked him about it and he said he didn't panic at all in that moment. Like if there's a ball up there and it's coming towards him, his mentality is that's mine. And he proved that in that touchdown catch uh, in, in the end zone. So I think A.T. Perry is a guy that's on the rise and is going to have a lot more opportunity here throughout the rest of the season. And so he now has the opportunity like Brian Brzee and Jordan Howden already have had to kind of prove that, hey, I can be a long term option in this New Orleans Saints offense. The other guys that are here, Nick Saldaveri, uh, Ken, well, Kendra Miller, just put him, putting him in the order in which they were drafted, Isaiah Foskey, Kendra Miller, Nick Saldaveri, and then uh, Jay Kaner. It's all about opportunity. But this is what I love about the NFL draft. If we're power ranking all of these rookies as we have today, the first three rookies on this list are not your first, second, and third round picks. They're your first, fifth, and sixth round picks. This is the thing that's so special about the draft and why you should care all the way down to round seven and all the way through undrafted free agency. Look at Isaiah. Look at, I was, I was about to say Isaiah Rashad. I, <laughs> maybe, maybe the house is burning as on my mind. Uh, but you look at Rashid Shaheed. And then, you know, that's, there you go. Like that's your undrafted, that's an undrafted guy. You look at Carl Granderson, who just got another contract. You look at Malcolm Roach, who was brought back this year, all that. Like you have to care about the draft all the way through, all the way through. And this is another example of, A, the Saints being pretty good in those late rounds, right? Um, uh, uh, Fifth, sixth rounds. They have been particularly spectacular in the second rounds, which is why I'm waiting to see what happens with Isaiah Foskey. Isaiah Foskey was playing he was practicing his best and he was playing his best football and the opportunities that he was getting up until that injury. And then now he's out for maybe the next, you know, out after the bye week, it'll probably be two, two to three more weeks, I imagine, one to three more weeks, let's say. Um, but I mean, even he was a guy that was starting to show something. I'm not going to say starting to pan out. I'm not going to say starting to prove something or anything like that. He was just starting to, to show something. But it was because the opportunities were, were finally there for him. So now as the opportunities continue to grow for these guys, and for Kendra Miller, and for Nick Saldaveri, which is probably, I think we looked at Nick Saldaveri as somebody that could potentially come in and challenge as a starting offensive lineman, but really he was a pick for 2024 because very unlikely Andrews Pete's back next season, especially now that he's playing left tackle. 
if I'm his reps, I'm going out there to get him left tackle money, not left guard money anymore or guard money. And so very unlikely that he's back. The ideal situation next year might be that either you go into free agency and you continue to build because they need to bring in competition on this offensive line, but maybe a Nick Saldaveri feeds off that competition and becomes a starter for you next year. And Trevor Penning feeds off a competition and starts for you next year as well. If not, you got to go into free agency and and, and bring in the competition that would be able to step in in place of those guys if the draft picks aren't going to work out. But every organization wants the draft picks to work out, right? You want the draft picks to work out, you want the big contracts to work out. And so I think that that would probably be the priority for them. So, uh, but they would still have to prove that. And so maybe we get the opportunity to see that later. Jake Hayner, I I genuinely don't know how much Jake Hayner we're going to get to see during his rookie contract. He was brought in. He's on a rookie contract for the same amount of time that Derek Carr is on a contract. Uh, I've seen people say, well, why don't they give Jake Hayner an opportunity to go out there and play? Uh, Why would you, right? I mean, you're going to roll with the 10-year veteran. You're going to roll with Jameis Winston, who's already been in your system well before you go to a guy that was you know, missing for the first six weeks because he was suspended and is just now maybe like, you know, getting to a point to where he's, I mean, he isn't even active yet and they haven't even appointed him. I I did find this out. They've never actually even appointed him as the uh, emergency third quarterback. Why? Because Taysom Hill's on the field and you can still use Taysom Hill at quarterback. The emergency third quarterback rule does not change that. If Derek Carr gets hurt, if Jameis Winston would have gotten hurt in the uh, Minneapolis or the uh, Minnesota game, Taysom Hill would have marched up there and been the quarterback. And so you're effectively four deep as Jake Hayner. And that's nothing against Jake Hayner. That's just, that's the roster that's ahead of him. So maybe we see him climb that roster a little bit more next year, but it depends. Do the New Orleans Saints invest in another rookie quarterback next year? Is the same regime in New Orleans that drafted him in 2023 going to be here in 2024? There's a lot of different things that end up having an impact that have nothing to do with Jake Hayner. And that's just the life of a young quarterback in the NFL. And one of the reasons why there's 32 of those jobs and maybe 15 to 20 of those guys are considered good to elite quarterbacks. It's a tough, tough position to develop in. Uh, and it's a tough, tough position to get opportunities to prove that you are developing within because everyone's got their guy. And that's what makes things, that's one of the things that makes things uh, so challenging from that perspective. But as a whole, um, opportunities is what you're looking for for the other guys, not necessarily guys that they, these aren't necessarily guys that haven't proven that they're talented. Kendra Miller's got to stay healthy. Isaiah Foskey's got to stay healthy. But outside of that, everything really just comes down to opportunity. But the Saints have two, maybe even three potential long-term options from this draft class, which is a fantastic hit rate for a draft class of just seven players. Not bad at all. All right, coming up next, let's take a look at what has been working for the New Orleans Saints that they can build off of going into the seven games that remain in their schedule as they fight for their playoff lives and potentially fight for jobs beyond this offseason. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. I use DoorDash at least two or three different times a week. Maybe sometimes those might be on the same day. Whatever, don't judge me, okay? I'm busy. I'm busy and you're busy too. And that's why I love a food delivery service that caters to your wants, your needs, and make sure that it's giving you the options for your local favorites. I've been talking a bunch about like Thousand Figs, Trilly Cheese Steaks, uh, Weed Ats, a whole bunch of places that are local spots that I absolutely love here in the city of New Orleans that I always have access to thanks to DoorDash and I don't even need to leave the comfort of my own home. I want you to go and check out DoorDash as well. If you're not using them yet, now's the time to get it 
uh, to get in with it. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order with DoorDash. Just download the DoorDash app into the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 2-3. Use the digit subject to change terms apply. Again, that's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order with DoorDash. Download the DoorDash app. Use the promo code LOCKED23. Subject to change. Terms apply. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at what has been working so far for the New Orleans Saints and how they can continue to build off of it. So I think like, let's look at one thing on the offensive side, one thing on the defensive side that are like the major pieces. I, I want to start on offense and say that one of the things that has absolutely been working so far for the New Orleans Saints this season is Taysom Hill, right? Taysom Hill, what is it, 17 and one when he touches the ball seven or more times or something like that? Like, he is the key to victory for the New Orleans Saints. And there's just kind of like no doubt in my mind about it. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to give him the opportunity to be the starting quarterback because that's. That takes away the, the the dynamic and the novelty of what it is that makes him so effective. If he's out there touching the ball every single play, then it's going to erase the unknown that he can come that that can come with him. If he's out there throwing the ball thirty times a game, that's probably not necessarily what you want from Taysom Hill. In fact, it's proven that that's what you don't want from Taysom Hill. So instead, what you're really looking for here is an opportunity for him to come in and be that change of pace guy that can help you in the run game. Alvin Kamara once was very effective because he was the change of pace guy for Mark Ingram. Taysom Hill has been very effective because he is now the change of pace for the New Orleans Saints offense as a whole. It's an entirely different offense when he gets out on the field. And that's not, that doesn't say anything bad about Derek Carr, doesn't say anything bad about the Saints run game otherwise, although it has been porous otherwise. And uh, Jeff Nowak doing a great job uh, over at Odyssey talking about how the uh, Saints running backs, Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara, 1.1 and one yard per uh, carry after contact in each, uh, you know, in terms of how they've averaged over the course of the season, uh, respectively, 1.1 for Jamal Williams, one yard alone for, or one yard flat rather for uh, for Alvin Kamara. So if you're looking for somebody that's going to break tackles and continue to pick up yardage for you after contact, Taysom Hill has proven consistently to be that guy. And it's been proven too that when Taysom Hill touches the ball and when he is effective with the ball in his hands, that he ends up helping you win games. So I do think that that has to be something that the Saints can't do like they did last year. Go away from them for a couple of games, find them for a game, go away from them for a couple of games, find them for a game. Have to get rid of the excuse of, well, we're in obvious passing down situations, especially when it's arguable that you probably actually weren't, right? Eight down, down eight late in the game, just around three minutes left. Like you've got time to put the ball on the ground at that point. So I think that that's got to be a play calling thing that ends up getting addressed and adjusted. And if you want to win games, maybe in the second half, don't go three and out, three and out, and then take two plays before the end of your, of your, or in the second quarter, maybe don't do that. Maybe instead put the ball on the ground a couple of times so that you can keep a drive going. Like it's one thing to say, oh, we're in obvious passing situations because we're down two scores or whatever, but it's a whole other thing to put yourself worse in that situation because you can't complete a pass, right? So put the ball on the ground, run the ball a little bit. And I think that Taysom Hill can absolutely help you there. So we know that Taysom Hill works and we know that the Taysom Hill approach works. Now the big thing for the New Orleans Saints is, can they actually take the time and have the patience to benefit from it when they know that it works? Uh, Over on the defensive side, I think the next thing that you're looking at there is that the passing game, the passing defense works. The issue is that the other things aren't necessarily working. The run game's not working and the pass rush isn't working. And so when the passing game or when the coverage game has some flaws, 
there's nothing to cover up those flaws. And so that's an impossible task for a secondary. So if you want to help the secondary, if you want to help the coverage continue to excel, you have to be able to complement it, right? So what's worked so far is that the Saints are outstanding in the past defense game, right? In coverage. And I know TJ Hawkinson had 120 something yards in the first half, 10 catches in the first half, score touchdowns. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm not saying that it's perfect. I'm saying that it's the most successful part of their defense thus far if you compare it to the run defense and if you compare it to the pass rush. Pass rush, 18 sacks on the season. Only four game, or only four teams have less than that. Uh, the Saints also have had the, I think it's the, there are only seven teams, six teams that have more avoided sacks than the New Orleans Saints. So getting there, but not being able to make the play. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL too when it comes to converting pressure to sacks. Again, not making plays at the quarterback. That doesn't compliment you. They actually did a great job in run defense, eliminating and leaving out the quarterback scrambling. They actually did a good job eliminating the running backs in the game against the Minnesota Vikings. Now they were they had the benefit of going up against a slow offensive line. And they had the benefit of going up against slow processing running backs in that game as well. That's not going to be the case next year, next week when they match up with the the Atlanta Falcons. Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, these are not slow processors. These are guys that can create on their own. They don't need the offensive line to pave the perfect way for them. And that offensive line itself is fast. So now they've got to be able to get ready for that, which is a very different game plan and the type of game plan that they have struggled against with the run game, uh, uh, you know, outside of what they saw last week against the Minnesota Vikings. So now you have to find ways to complement what you do well, which is coverage. And so can they find a way to do that? That's going to be the thing that changes or creates or whatever the complexion of the last seven games as the New Orleans Saints fight to get into the playoffs and to an extent have to be fighting for jobs as well. Veteran players, coaches, everybody right now, hot seats all over the place for this New Orleans Saints team. And I think it would be ignorant to assume otherwise at this point or like willfully, uh, willfully ignoring the facts if you look at it otherwise. Everybody right now for these last seven games is fighting to continue and extend and, 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 and hit the expectations that they've created for themselves, but they're also fighting for their opportunities over the course of the offseason. So we'll see what happens with all that. But a real reason for everybody to stand up and perform incredibly well or as well as possible here over the course of the past uh, over the last seven games, execution issues, coaching issues, play calling issues, all that stuff's got to subside here over the course of the, the stretch run. Um, all right. No, uh, in case you missed it tomorrow, because no game. So you get to just enjoy the rest of your weekend here without, uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints playing. you get to kind of kick back, have a stress-free, uh, you know, weekend and all that. We'll be back with you on Monday as we start to get ready for the game up against the Atlanta Falcons. We'll start to look at who they are, who they've been so far this season, who's going to be the quarterback. We're going to start breaking all that down, just kind of die, starting our diagnosis of the Atlanta Falcons as we enter Saints and Falcons hate week. Uh, which will, of course, include Aaron Freeman and I of Locked on Falcons uh, giving you the crossover next Thursday. Yes, I know it's Thanksgiving Day, but we're still going to have the show come out for you on Thursday. I don't care. I love my job and I'm doing it. I'm doing it no matter what. I appreciate y'all so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. And a big thank you to all the everydayers out there. I appreciate you for making us a part of your day, a part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.